0: But then I look down on the front row and these people are they're more joyful than I've ever seen people. Like it seems like everyone around me is absolutely like ecstatic with joy, smiling, laughing, dancing. I look at my band, they're all looking at me and laughing. I'm thinking, man, this is such a joyful moment. I've never I look at Martin Smith, he's like like literally barely laughing. And then I look up on the screen and the pick is on my forehead.
1: Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 130 of the Between You and Me podcast. This is a place where we talk about the things that hurt, heal, and change us in church culture. My name is Jessica Morris. I'm an Australian music journalist, if you couldn't guess by my accent. And every episode, I catch up with a music maker, often someone in the Christian music industry or someone who has a faith outside of that, and we chat about what's really going on in their life, sort of like If you were catching up for coffee with a friend or over drinks. Sometimes this is really fun and results in lots of laughter. Other times it results in like chats about my biggest struggle or doubting face or the underside of the Christian music industry. You know, we we get a bit of both, but between all that, hopefully in the next hour, you feel like you've met the person I'm chatting to a little bit more. That's the idea, right? Matt Redman is one of the most significant songwriters. In the current modern worship scene. He has been for the last 30 years. I've been singing his songs all my life in church and I had a chance to catch up with him about his new music. So how do you approach this, really? I mean, like any other artist, I still go, okay, here are my set questions, but I was in the back of my head, I had, it's Matt Redman. What's going on with this? The coolest part was when I actually met him and we saw each other on screen, right, over Zoom, he is so normal. Um, and I don't think that can be an easy thing in every environment, but he was so lovely uh, and we instinctively connected because he's British. Now I'm Australian, but I am descended from, from people from Britain and Australia was colonised and... Um, a few few hundred years ago, I really should know that date. I apologize to all my primary school teachers. Um, and so, I'm partly descended from people from England, and also from people who were actually like convicts. They came over on boats. Um, now, as we know, of course, Australia was inhabited uh, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years before that by the First Nations people of this country, which is now called Australia. Uh, but because Matt and I have that connection of like. This like British heritage. Some of our humour is the same. It's a little bit drier. Um, People in America don't always get the dry humour of Aussies. I realised that on the red carpet at the Doves. I I sort of made like a snide remark about something, thinking it was really funny and it wasn't meme, but it just didn't fly. I think they they legitimately thought I wasn't interested in talking to someone, but I definitely was. Um, I digress. All that to say, Matt Redman is a really nice guy really level-headed, really down-to-earth, and the fact that he has five kids, some of whom are teenagers, I think probably helps with that. (laughs) So that was really fun. Now, I'm about to dive into this interview for you, but before we do that, and I'm not even going to give you the spill yet about the who, what, when, where, why, before that, can I make a note? This month, between you and me, turns four years old. Like, we are, like, not even a toddler stage anymore. We're, like, a little kid walking around getting into a mess drawing on the walls age. Like, our parents don't know what to do with us and they can't take their eyes off us because we're causing so much chaos. I can't believe we grew up this big. Oh, my gosh. Um, To those of you who have been with the Between You and Me podcast from the very start, when I started as a very disillusioned cynical journalist in 2019, 18. 2018! (laughs) I know my dates. Uh, 2018, thank you. Thank you for the people who started right with Crowder in day one Um, and to the many who have befriended us along the way, who have joined in, who have listened to back episodes, who have checked in and out, like, when an episode comes up they love. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. From Whether you've listened to one episode or every single one of them, I can't express how grateful uh, and how... Flawed and awed, I feel um, about the community that we have created. And I want to say thank you so much, whether you're an artist or a listener or anybody. Thank you for sitting at this table with us, this metaphorical table that we build every single episode. You choose to sit there and you just go with me on that vision, and I appreciate it. So thank you, friends. And what better way to celebrate four years than an episode with Matt Redman? Following last week's episode with Paul Baloche, just saying, like, what the heck? I don't know. This is apparently my life at the moment and I'm just riding it out and I'm happy with it. So friends, you're about to meet Matt Redmond. Now he is here to tell us about his new single, Son of Suffering, and his latest, All Praise is Yours. But we also have a really good chat just about his career, his choice to move to the US, and he even talked a little bit about the heart of worship. Here is the who, what, when, where, why about Matt Redman. I tried to keep it short. I couldn't. Good luck, enjoy, and then we're going to get straight into the interview where you will hear some of his new music and some old favourites. You're welcome, everyone. This is Matt Redman. When it comes to listing songwriters that have shaped the modern day church, Matt Redman is high on the list. Since recording his first album in 1993, This Brit has released 16 albums, written 8 books, and participated in multiple church plants, including the Soul Survivor Conference and Church, and Passion City Church and Conference in Atlanta, Georgia. Now along the way, Matt has picked up two Grammys, he's charted number one on the American Christian Billboard charts, and today his songs have been covered by everyone from Michael W. Smith to Rebecca St. James. This man's songs are sung all over the world. And while Matt's renown came seven years into his music career, the release of the song The Heart of Worship in 1999 and Blessed Be Your Name a few years later were the game changers in people knowing who Matt Redman was. But before this, he was still quietly and diligently serving his church and the industry years prior. He was establishing himself as a trusted and respected voice in the global church over this time simply by serving and worshipping. So how did Matt become... Well, the Matt Redmond that we think we know today, right? The name carries a lot of glory in Christian circles. But really, Matt is just Matt. He grew up under the guidance of his single mum. He gave his heart to Jesus in an Anglican church at age 10. And like any good origin story, he picked up his first guitar at the same age. By 20, he had recorded his first album and was leading worship. Now, his first album was called Wake Up My Soul. It didn't gain any acclaim or traction as such. But it was produced by Martin Smith of Delirious, which is pretty cool. Around this time, Matt also helped to found the Soul Survivor Church in Watford, England. And this is a global movement, I actually remember, spreading across different countries. I used to attend the Soul Survivor Conference in Australia. Now, Matt ministered at this church in Watford, England until 2002, by which time his career had well and truly taken off. Before we get to that era of his career, which you probably recognise... Let's go back to the 90s. Because while we were all singing the Spice Skills and Jesus Freak, Matt was releasing albums like Passion for Your Name and Intimacy. But it was 1999's album, The Heart of Worship, which is actually the American release of his previous album that garnered him attention from the Christian music industry. His follow-up album, The Father's Song, also kept him in good stead. Now, this was in an era where Christian music had full-on taken off being a Jesus freak was sometimes cool and it was now sexy to lead worship and be on live albums. He had shown us that. So Matt's take on the heart of worship ushered churches back to their foundational beliefs. But it was only once he recorded his album, Where Angels You to Tread in the US, that the numbers in the chart started reflecting a little bit of how God had been using Matt's music and his ministry for nearly a decade. It was around this time that Matt and his wife Beth actually moved to Brighton in the UK to help plant the Point Church and they would continue to live and work between the UK and the US for a number of years. It was during this time that the couple co-wrote Blessed Be Your Name which earned a double award for worship song of the year and I can tell you I sang that song and its lower harmony a million times for my school choir. Now, this couple also co-wrote the song Our God. Again, sang it so much in the early thousands. Around this time, Matt signed to six-step records. And this partnership would see him release at least six albums, beginning with Face Down in 2004, which peaked at 19 on the Christian Billboard charts. His first compilation Best Of Album, aptly titled Blessed Be Your Name, came out the following year before he delivered a collection of originals called Beautiful News, and this included the single You Never Let Go, which was certified gold. Now over the following years, he would go on to pick up multiple dub awards, including one for Children's Music Album of the Year for Tales Worship Songs. And I can't state enough that this is obviously the pinnacle of Matt Redmond's music career in my humble opinion. Between 2001 and 2005, it's also worth noting that Matt co-wrote or wrote six books. And in 2008, he and his family moved across the ocean to Atlanta, Georgia. After being part of four Passion event albums since the year 2000, they actually helped to plant Passion City Church in Atlanta with Louis Giglio and Chris Tomlin. And in the two years that Matt spent in the States helping to plant this church, he would appear on Passion's album God of His City, again sung that song so much and he released we shall not be shaken his own album which peaked at 13 on the christian billboard charts matt would continue his partnership with passion until 2014 and he participated in the recording of 14 albums with the movement. how huge is that he would also release another two compilation albums of his own work by the year 2012 If 1999 was the year the Christian music industry finally took notice of Matt, the ardent worship leader from Hertfordshire in England, then 2011 was the year everyone realised Matt Redman was a voice that crossed generations in Christian music. Because alongside our friend Jonas Myron, he co-wrote the song 10,000 Reasons, and this earned them both two Grammys. The title track of his album, the same name, it reached number one on the Christian charts and was certified gold. Meanwhile, the single itself was certified two times platinum and also reached number one on the Christian Singles Charts. This single tops the charts for 12 consecutive weeks, and following this, Matt collaborated with our friends from LZ7, another UK-based band, to record the song 27 Million, which raised awareness from anti-human trafficking movements. This reached number 12 on the UK Singles Charts. How cool! And they actually toured together. This year also saw the release of yet another book named Mirable. All right, how we doing, folks? We're right in the crux of Matt's career right now, and we've hit 2013. And this is a good year, because this is the year when Matt released the album Your Grace Finds Me. People could not get enough of it. The live album peaked at number one on the Christian Billboard charts and hit number 20 on the Billboard 200. That's like Lady Gaga on everything. Now, this album featured the single Your Grace Finds Me and Mercy, which both charted. This year, he also won Songwriter of the Year at the Dove Awards. So what was next for Matt Redman after all this peripheral and industry success? Well, he recorded at Abbey Road Studios, of course, which is where we know the Beatles also recorded. And his album, Unbroken Phrase, recorded here, reached number one on the Christian charts. He also received a 2016 Cranmer Award for Worship from the Church of England for his contribution to the worship life of the church. How good is that? Now, a Christmas album followed on Six Steps Records, as well as 2017's Glory Song, which peaked at number two on the Christian charts. This actually included the duet Gracefully Broken with the amazing Tasha Cobbs-Leonard. And a book devoted to stories about how his and Jonas Myron song 10,000 Reasons had inspired people was actually also released this year. Now, over the course of the past decade, Matt and his family relocated to Southern California, And come 2020, Matt signed with Integrity Music. It spawned his album, Let There Be Wonder, an acoustic and then a live version. And the single we praise featuring our friend Brandon Lake came from this. So what is Matt Redmond doing now, nearly 30 years since the release of his first album? Well, he launched his own podcast, Redmond and Riddle, with Jeremy Riddle last year, of course. And naturally, he's also been writing more worship music. His 14th album is promised next year. And his single Son of Suffering was recorded live by Bethel in 2021. He has now released his own version of the track with his follow-up single, The Praise Is Yours. Committed to pending honest and theologically sound songs, Matt joined me to talk about how to keep your heart free of pride when you have a platform, what it's like living in the States as a Brit, and he chats about why personal integrity and relationship with Jesus is essential in the songwriters' room. Friends, I'm very excited for you to meet Matt Redman. Matt Redman. People... Recognize your name, but only a handful actually know you personally. So, in your own words, who actually is Matt Redman in in your world?
0: Well, I'm a husband to Beth. I'm the father of five kids from the age of 22 down to 12: Maisie, Noah, Rocco, Jackson, Levi, oh,
1: and I'm a Brit
0: read. who lives in California.
1: Oh, I love that so much. Um, now, the fact that you have kids from the age 12 to 22 is so broad and such an, it must be such an adventure for you and your wife.
0: Oh, yeah. There's never a boring moment, I can tell you that. If <laughs> now, any of the kids ever come and say they're bored, I'm like, that is impossible. There's too many people around here to be bored.
1: 100%. When did you move to the States from the UK?
0: Well, I've done quite a lot of life here. We lived here in 2001 for a year went back to England, then helped plant a church in Atlanta around about 2008, was there a little good few years there, and then went back to England and then um, showed up here again about six years ago. But in between that, we've done a lot of long stretches here too, different tours and different um, partnering with different organisations and ministries. So we've done a lot of our life here.
1: Yeah. What was it about Los Angeles that made it feel like home? when you guys were choosing where to move or was it purely work is here so we need to go here
0: we actually came here for a sabbatical we'd had one in 2001 15 years later we thought let's do that again that was a good time to rethink and review and we just never left this time we things fell into place and um we already had some community out here but that grew and i i think the thing is we've moved around a little bit for church planting and a few things and what we've learned is you can pretty much live anywhere if you have community i mean yeah we're living in a lovely sunny spot here and especially having endured a lot of english winters you know it's it's always a treat still you know i love it and i'm joking because i love english winter too especially the snow and all that but but you know um you can live anywhere, really, if you have community. And if you don't have community, it'll be hard to live somewhere. Yeah. And that's kind of where we, we've landed
1: resonate with that i i live for a short time while visa would allow in nashville and i found that for oh, yeah. me it, it was great because i found community and i know yeah. that it doesn't always work out like that so that's I cool that. yeah i love that yeah um can you give me a brief wrap up on what the last two or three years of your life have looked like with covid and the music industry sort of falling underneath and church from home like, what what does that look like for you guys
0: Um, I think one thing about the whole lockdown scenario was for the first time in my adult life, I couldn't travel. I wasn't traveling Um, and we didn't overdo the travel. But there's times and seasons where I think, oh, maybe we did a little too much. Um, And it was actually the first time I had months without going away anywhere. And I honestly loved it. I thought maybe it's time to, you know, bring that down a little bit. Uh, And so we've done that. And actually, really, I'm glad that we have, and you know, I think a lot of things in life work well in seasons, right? And the worst thing is being, uh, you are to be in a new season, but you're still living in the old season. And for me, it feels a little bit like I wanted to up the songwriting. I wanted to be at home more and wanted to travel less. And that's kind of how we've rearranged things. And, and I'm, I'm really glad that we have.
1: Yeah, that sounds really good. So through all that, how did the song Son of Suffering, which I've just released, come about?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's one example of something I may not have had time to do before. I went on a song route in camp um, and a lot of friends there from different streams of the church and different movements and um, you don't choose who you get in a room with, right? I mean, you there's a whole load of people there and they'll figure out who you get thrown in a room with. In fact, this has landed good for me in the past. I was at a songwriter uh, camp in Scotland once, um, and it was, it was all sorts of amazing people. Um, Darlene Check was there, and Paul Baloch, and Martin Smith from Delirious, and uh, Israel Houghton. And, and two of the people there was Michael W. Smith and Stephen Curtis Chapman. And so the first night they pull out names from the house who's going to be writing with each other, And the first name out was Michael and then it was Stephen, and then it was me. And I was like, no way. And uh, I I never, I've never felt more pressured in my entire life, like going into a room with those two guys. And so that's kind of what happens sometimes. And on this one, I got thrown in a room, one guy, David Funk, I'd met very briefly a couple of times, liked him. Good guy. could see as such a gifted guy. Uh, and then a couple of other guys, Aaron Moses and Nate Moore. And, um, I, you know, we had two hours on this occasion. Sometimes you have longer, but this was a short one. But I didn't even know the guys. So we spent like 30 minutes chatting. So now we've put real pressure on ourselves. We got like 90 minutes. But I actually came into the room with an idea. I've been trying to write a song. Uh, I had this idea about blood, sweat, and tears. And then I've been trying for a, a while to get around this. And then I realized one day, if I take the sweat piece out, this thing becomes a whole lot easier. I was thinking about Jesus, like he bled, and he, and he wept, but also he sweated when he turned, you know, I'm thinking about him turning over the t- tables in the temple. I think if I take that piece out, this becomes a song about the compassion of God, the way he knows what it is to live the life we live, the way he shows solidarity with our pain and our struggle, a God who gets right down there in the mix with you and walk the same dust and earth that we do. And, and it became really... Yeah, just about a song. Who knows your uh, a God who knows your struggles, and so we wrote the song around the cross. Uh, but the chorus is blood and tears. How can it be? There's a God who weeps. There's a God who bleeds. So praise the one who reached for me. Hallelujah to the Son of Suffering. And it it was really just a a worship song, uh, looking at the wonder of how can it be? Honestly, like this is kind of uh, you won't hear anything more amazing than this that the creator of all things, the one who's high and holy to the nth degree, the one who's infinitely good and great, majestic beyond your wildest dreams, you know, he's unfathomable, incomparable in every way. This is a God who chose to get down in the dust with us, to get down in the dirt with us, and even to take it further, to to not just live a life amongst us, but to die and, and to give up his life on a cross, to bleed and one who weeps and To me, that's like the greatest mystery of the universe. And then how can it be that there's a God who's strong and perfect and complete in every way? And yet he has chosen to be like that amongst us. And so, yeah, it fires me up every time we sing it. And I've loved leading it. And if people want to check it out, we just put up a video on YouTube, uh, which is recorded at a place called The Mission in San Juan Capistrano, here in California. Amazing 250-year-old beautiful setting. The sun was going down and we're singing this worship song. It was beautiful. It's in the end, the proof is in your words.
2: Blood and tears, how can it be? There's a God who weeps. There's a God who bleeds.
1: creator do you like creating fancy slideshows for church or maybe you're a videographer a podcaster like me maybe you just love creating things and you need amazing stock music or videos to fill the needs That is where Soundstripe comes in. The team at Soundstripe are world-class musicians who have hired world-class musicians to create stock music without all the loopholes of licensing. Simply subscribe and you can select what track you want and license it as many times as you want. It's a great way to support artists and create world-class content. We love our friends at Soundstripe. We have been partnered with them since the first episode of Between You and Me, and we are so grateful for their support. If you would like to use their content or check them out, go right now to soundstripe.com and use the code UMEPOD at checkout for 10% off. That is the code UMEPOD at the checkout, and you will get 10% off. You're welcome. Hey, it's me again. Big surprise, I know. But you know what I love nearly equally as much as good music? I love a good band tee. And I love a good nostalgic band tee, which is why I'm a big fan of the Between You and Me web store. If you head there right now, you will actually find that we have throwbacks to some of the most iconic Christian musicians and plenty of ammunition for the next catch up with the friends you survived Christian college with or who also survived being a PK with. Go check out our T-shirts, our hoodies, our masks, because that's a thing in 2020, and even our phone covers or notebooks. We would love you to take home a piece of Between You and Me and remember wherever you go that you belong here, that you are a part of a family of misfits and worshippers and questioners and people who apparently like nostalgia. Go and check it out now at our website, betweenyouandmepod.com and hit the shop button.
2: It's one day we will see face to face Jesus. Is there a greater vision of grace? And in a moment we shall be changed. In a moment we shall be changed. Yes, in a moment we shall be changed. All that. When we all get to heaven What a day of rejoicing that will be When we all see Jesus We'll sing and shout the victory We'll sing and shout
1: the victory. Yeah. I'm curious, what has it meant for your faith to know that we have a God who is almighty or powerful but who is so in tune with you and your suffering, like he's, he's gone through it more than we could ever comprehend? Yes. What does yeah. it mean for you and your relationship with Jesus to know that?
0: Um, I just think it's the most amazing grace, you know, because it's one thing to have someone who's a listening ear. It's another thing to have someone who's like, you know, trying to have compassion on you. But Jesus has that real empathy with us. When you could be in your darkest moment and he's kind of been there, he knows what it is to, they called him a man of sorrows. They kept calling one who was familiar with suffering, one who was acquainted with grief. And obviously you know, he's suffered way more, but but the fact that he identifies with our pain and our struggle, the fact that he, he, it's not just like, oh, I could imagine that must be really hard. He actually knows, yeah, I've been there and I'm in this with you. To have someone in the moment with you who has done that, I mean, that's amazing, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, I love that. You have been crafting songs for the church, local, global, for a while now. Um, yeah. When you go into a write, a co-write, do you go in thinking I need to write this for uh, like the church, like big C church as a whole, or do you go in thinking is this is for a specific audience or co- congregation that I'm working with?
0: That's a great question. I mean you're always trying to make sure that your motives are good, that your approach is pure, and so that's one reason not to get overly thinking about all. Oh, Is this for this album? Or is this for this movement? Is this for this project? I mean, the first thing is to take it way back and be remember, like, remember when you first did this and it was just between you and God? It wasn't for a record, it wasn't even for a stage. It was just because you loved God and your way of journaling that love was to write a song. And so you're always trying to get yourself back to that place. For me, I mean, I wrote a song pretty much about that called The Heart of Worship years ago. Mm -hmm. You're always trying to get back to that beautiful purity, simplicity, the beginning of it all, where we all were. There's a lot of innocence in that moment, you know. And once you start adding in some of the other things, like being aware, oh, this song might end up getting on this big project, then you have to really be ruthless with your heart and check your motives, you know, because um things change. You know, and really spiritual maturity is to be able to live in that but still maintain the heart of of yes. the what you had at the beginning. You know, so an example for this would be in the life of David. There's one point where King David in the in the Bible he sends out Joab, the commander of the armies, to count the fighting men. And Joab knew this was an offensive thing to do before the Lord's eyes. It's just, just don't do that. It's a bad thing to do. David says, no, I'm the king. you go going do it. Joab doesn't even count one of the tribes because he just knows this is bad news. And it's an offensive thing to do. There's a lot of pride in this. There's a lot of he's lost humility. He's lost a dependence upon God. He's been king for so long that he's just lost his way a little bit. And fair play to David. He repents big time. Um and, you know, he sees the error of his ways. But the point is, look at his the heart of that king in that moment and compare it to the heart posture of a small boy who went out to fight Goliath, you know, with just a sling and some stones and a staff in his hand. And he went out that day because he cared about the glory of God so much. And he, and he went out with full dependence upon God, knowing that it wasn't going to be in his strength. And here he is now ki- counting the fi- fighting men. You know, how strong are we? How big are we as an army? How much muscle do we have now militarily? And it's the whole thing's changed. And I think that's the thing. You know, I'm on some stages now and again. Sometimes they're big ones with a lot of people there. I've had 15 albums or something. I don't know. Hundreds of songs go out there. The songs have taken me to some really exciting places and meeting exciting people. Can I still, though, in the midst of all that, can I still retain the heart of that? small shepherd boy, who just was in it because of the glory of God. And he was fully dependent upon him. There's a great quote. It's probably one of my favorites, Uh, Oswald Chambers. He says, complete weakness and dependence will always be the occasion for the spirit of God to manifest his power. And that's what you see in scripture. Complete weakness and dependence will always be the occasion for the spirit of God to manifest his power. And, And I know you've seen that in your life. I've seen it in my life. When we're humble and dependent and we know who really makes a difference, God loves that and he breathes on it. And the key is to try and maintain that heart posture. And it's harder than you think, especially in the days that we live in, right? We're living in these social media days. There's never been a better time to show off or, you know, you know no time in history with a temptation to self-obsess or self-celebrate, self-congratulate um, has been so great. And so these are, these are interesting days.
2: When the music fades All is stripped away And I simply come Longing just to bring Something that's of worth That will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself is not what you have required You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Yeah, in light of
1: that, um, I can I can only uh, like a little bit appreciate the challenge on, and that regulation of sort of mixing like your work and your ministry come together frequently and when you're in the public spotlight in a bizarre way it's a bit the, the weirdness of it I I know that like I only extremely extremely small platform like people don't know my name but like i'm like oh look look what i did guys look at this look at this look at and, and having to pull back is hard yeah. like it's hard work to do that what are yeah. the things that you have learned to practice in your own life that that's, like, keep you grounded spiritually and keep you accountable so that you yeah. don't hopefully get get lost somewhere like counting troops or, or sharing something on instagram that just isn't necessary because it comes from the wrong place that time
0: yes um I mean, first things just to try and be ruthless with your heart. Give yourself a heart check. You know, the Psalms say, you know, Lord, search me, know me, you know, all my anxious thoughts and see if there's any offensive way in me. Leave me in the way everlasting. That's a good prayer. Like, Mm -hmm. first of all, before, even before anyone else is in the room, just you and God, like, search me. And I believe the Holy Spirit will show you, you know, if you have some blind spots, sometimes we don't see them. We need other people pointing them out to us, obviously, I've mentioned my wife and my kids. I've got six people there, very good at pointing out my blind spots, and I have many. And then friends, my tour manager. Uh, historically, uh, you don't tour so much now, but was my brother, ten years younger than me. So you're not getting away with anything with him. <laughs> you know, if you if he sniffs even a little bit of pride or arrogance, or you didn't weren't polite to that person, you know, I hope I was, but he'd be down on me if I'm late to the hotel lobby for sound check. You know. You know, I'm not getting away with any of that stuff. Um, And then, honestly, just um, things happen and you realize, oh, that was the work of God. And it would be very, very foolish of me to think that was me. You you know, um, an example for me would be this song, 10,000 Reasons, because that song had a lot of momentum to it, but I didn't do anything different. And Jonas, who I wrote it with, we didn't do anything different. We just wrote a song. Like we always write a song. We didn't think there was anything special about this one. We liked it, but we didn't think like this was the 151st Psalm. You know, we were, it was just a song four chords and some truth. Doesn't even have a pre-chorus or a bridge. Honestly, I didn't even think it was finished. I wasn't going to put it on the record. Um, But because some other people are wiser than me, we did. And the song connected with people and it had this beautiful, sacred momentum to it. And, got so many responses and still do honestly um, just people in maybe their best life moments or their toughest life moments helped this song became a soundtrack and helped them but what I'm saying is like I can't make any claim on that because I just did what I always did it's not like I put special effort in or I engineered something or I found the key to greatness and success and I thought oh I, you know and one cool thing is you can't repeat success if something great happens with songwriting, you don't know how to do it again. So we couldn't go in the next day and be, all right, that was cool. Let's do that again. We have no clue. If you're an accountant, right, you do. You have a little breakthrough. You figure out how to do something in the bookkeeping or something. Next day, you can go in again and repeat your success. You can do it again. If you're a songwriter, no chance. You can learn. You can grab experience. You can figure out some things that work and don't work. But at the end of the day, the stuff that's really special – songs that are meaningful and life-giving and, you know, um, life-changing and th- we don't have a clue how to write those. And it's awesome because it keeps you dependent. It keeps you in that, in that place. And, you know, even, uh, I had a, uh, a message through yesterday, an email saying, Hey, my son has, uh, has brain cancer and, you know the the songs have been a lifeline right now for us, and you just wouldn't go anywhere near claiming that's you. That's the the God somehow, the creator of all music has used this little expression of music um, to help some people along the way, and you can't go anywhere near that stuff. You know that's it's sacred, right? You you can't. The stuff I love the most is the stuff that's immeasurable. You can't put it on a chart. It doesn't fit on a you know, uh, a pie a pie chart, you know, it doesn't fit on a graph. They, it's not about statistics, the stuff where someone says, hey, you know, our loved one was going to be with Jesus. And as he took his final breath, he asked that we sing this song of yours over him. You know, you can't, there's no, it's immeasurable. And that's just God's grace at work in our lives. And you'd be best to just take your hands off and say, I'm not taking any credit for that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for entrusting me with carrying that, but it would be very foolish of me to claim that something as beautiful and sacred and poignant as that was anything really to do with me. So love that.
2: Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Worship his holy name like never before, oh my soul, I worship your holy name. The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning, it's time to sing your song.
1: thank you for your time um i've got as a handful of slightly lighter questions to ask you yeah um but is there anything that you wanted to talk about or share um that i've missed
0: we'll go wherever you want to go whether (laughs) marmite's better than vegemite
1: okay let's let's (laughs) one marmite (laughs) or vegemite oh you already know (laughs) the
0: answer no can i tell you the serious truth on this one so if anyone listening you don't know what these things are They're very strange English and Australian foods. The English version is called Marmite. It's a spreadable, it looks like tar. You spread it on your toast. And I like it. But Vegemite is the Australian version. And there's a big competition about who's the best. I'm going to get disowned by my entire country, but I actually prefer Vegemite. And I don't think I know any other Brit who's ever said that, especially publicly. But it, it gives Marmite a very good run for its money.
1: Oh, my gosh. Well, at least you're currently living in America. So there's yeah. a little safety bracket there. Um, that makes me very happy, and I'm definitely going to take that one to my British friends and say, so, just so you know. Uh, yeah, no, Vegemite is bizarre, and I think the only reason I like it is because I grew up eating it. But yeah. but it, it feels yeah. like If things-
0: anyone who's never eaten these things, if you give them to for the first time when they're 30, they hate it.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, like you're not going to, unless you've grown up with this, you're yeah. not going to like it. Um, it. It feels like, veggie Mite just feels like the Australian version of like, oh, look, we came here generally as convicts, so we're just going to reframe it a little bit and yeah. just work with that.
0: Well, I mean, Marmite is basically yeast extract, and that's a kind of a weird thing to eat too, right? So,
1: <laughs> we're strange people. What are you going to do? Um, so, on, on that note, that's a weird thing about... Australia and the UK. But what was the strangest thing when you when you finally moved to the states? And there's like a tiny little bit of culture shock that happens cuz it's similar but it's slightly odd and everything has a stronger accent. What was the strangest thing about the US that you started to get your head around when you moved there?
0: Honestly, like the fascination with everything being a celebration nonstop. So you go like um you know, you're about to come up to Halloween. You know, some people have things outside their houses. I mean, even that, don't get me started. Some of the dark stuff, I'm like, what are you actually doing? Right, but, you know, a couple of months before, some people have got stuff out of their houses and it's all in the stores. And then we're straight into Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. And then we're straight into Christmas. And then we're straight into New Year. And then the Valentine's stuff out the day after that. And then the St. Patrick's Day stuff out the day after that. And then the Easter stuff, they... And you basically go like a nonstop. It is fascinating to me. I think it's probably because you know the dollar rules the roost, you know, and it's probably a lot of its commercialisms made it gone mad. But I'm like, this is crazy. You you can go from like October through to May. Yeah, and it's one big nonstop festival.
1: It it's incredible. I mean, even like it's an intense time of year for anybody. Um, who yeah. like, who sort of celebrates Christmas, but like, we don't even celebrate yeah. Thanksgiving in Australia because we're not American. So it's, it's yeah. like, it's still an intense, but I'm like, you're throwing another holiday? I mean, cool. I have and the to do thing is, there, but, but-
0: that. But the flip side is, Americans, though, they do know how to celebrate. Oh, I they mean, do. they know how to make a big deal of something. You go to a soccer game here, or football game, as I would say. Uh, you know, you go to a football game in England, the referee blows on, blows his whistle, everyone starts playing the game. In America, there's, like, an hour of build-up. You're getting the national anthem. You're getting pyrotechnics, Same. maybe, like, a dancing geriatric team or someone dressed up <laughs> as a panda, you know, and it's like they know what they're doing. They make it into an event.
1: Yes, yes we, have, we have learned much from them in Australia, 100%. Uh, I think we recently had Robbie Williams for our, oh, yeah. our football grand final, so there you go. Like,
0: Fantastic. It
1: from it. Um, which song... Of all time, do you wish that you'd written or been present in the co write of?
0: Well, wow. a great question. I mean, down through the years, there's a couple of songs I've, you know, for a while it was always How Great Is Our God. Yeah. I just, you know, Tom Lin and Jesse Reason at Cash. I just, it's just the perfect, simple without being shallow song. Yeah. You know, it's simple, there's nothing complicated, but there's a depth to it. And there's this lovely rhythm to it where in the verses we breathe in the wonders of God and then the chorus we breathe out our response. And they're always my favorite kind of songs. Great Are You Lord would be a more recent example. Simple but not shallow, anthemic, and it has that same dynamic of inhale and exhale. Um, honestly, the, the song would be like How Great Thou Art, though. Uh, you know, the old hymn. And that has quite a story, how it started as a poem and then it ended up Finding its way to all these different nations, and then in the um, the hills of the Ukraine, actually, a British missionary wrote what we now know as that hymn. He wrote all those words in the English version, and actually, I actually did have um, a little opportunity to um, be part of something with that hymn recently. Uh, we haven't released it yet, but um, the that that hymns owned by a trust called the Stuart Hines Trust, and through a friend, they came and. Asked uh, because this song was written in the Ukraine, we would like to do something right now, like like a special version. We always say no to people adapting or changing or adding to this hymn, but just for this one occasion, we we would like to ask you to try and do that. So I sat down actually with an Australian, Mitch Wong, a good friend of mine, and uh, we, we got to write an extra, like an extended verse to try and give a nod to what was happening in Ukraine and also just honor the fact that this hymn was from there so hopefully we'll put out this version at some point it it says um so so that last verse which says um when christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home what joy shall fill my heart then shall i bow in humble adoration and there proclaim my god how great thou art and we've added an extended piece uh which builds which says um but until that day when heaven bids me welcome and as i walk this broken warring world your kingdom come deliver us from evil and we'll proclaim how God, our God, how great Thou art. So I'll be excited yeah, to, awesome. to get a version out at some point. But it was, um, yeah. we just wanted to acknowledge, you know, that the church are thinking about Ukraine. Yeah,
1: that caught me. I haven't even heard it yet, but that's. Oh yeah, wow. thank you. Yeah, we God haven't released it yet. Right we'll figure yeah. it out. Um, what's the funniest or most embarrassing moment you've ever had on stage?
0: Oh, this is an easy one. <laughs> so. <laughs> So, I was in Europe and on a tour with my friend Martin Smith, his band called Delirious. And um, we were in a big room, a few thousand people, big Jumbotron screens, getting towards the end of the night. And I'm leading a real up tempo song. And I think it might have been We Are the Free. And then uh, I'm playing guitar, but my pick goes flying. And I don't see where it went, trying to figure out, oh, Never mind. I don't have a pick now. But then I look down on the front row and these people are, there's more joyful than I've ever seen people. Like it seems like everyone around me is absolutely like ecstatic with joy, smiling, laughing, dancing. I look at my band. They're all looking at me and laughing. I'm thinking, man, this is such a joyful moment. I've never, I look at Martin Smith. He's like, like literally belly laughing. And then I look up on the screen and the pick is on my forehead. <laughs> And so everyone in the whole building, thousands of people, I'm the only one who doesn't know the pick by the, because it has a bit of tension on, you know, friction on thing, and because of sweat, it's right in the middle of my forehead. I don't know how I caught it like that. I think it's impossible to try and do it again, honestly, but that That's was a very weird. embarrassing moment. I went a good forty five seconds on the screen, just my head and a giant pick in the middle of my forehead.
1: The camera guys must have had the best.
0: Time. I know, I was like, guys, you you thank you so much for cutting away from <laughs>
1: We're so kind in the church, aren't we? We're just like yeah. yes.
0: protecting my dignity.
1: Uh, my very last question for you. If you could go back to the day before you signed your first publishing deal, what would you tell yourself knowing what you know now?
0: Well, a lot of things, but honestly, probably Uh, There's a great quote, a guy called Francois Fenelon. He was one of the spiritual advisors to one of the King Louis of France uh, way, way back. And he said this lovely little phrase, keep yourself little in the depths of your heart. And it's great advice for a king and it's great advice for any leader, you know, because the bigger the stage, it doesn't mean that you need to become, you know, have your ego inflated or become larger in that way. It's really important. And the more God trusts you with, the more you bow down, the more you acknowledge it's His work, the more you make sure you're being ruthless with your heart and you're giving Him the glory. And it's not always easy. And we don't, we're not even very good sometimes checking our own motives. Like I say, we need the Holy Spirit to help us do that. But it's just so, so important, especially with the kind of thing I'm getting trusted with. I mean, it's just the worship of a holy God. This is not just singing of songs, it's not just you know, some fun in a room with music, and that would be beautiful in and of itself. Music's an amazing part of God's blessing his presence as well. But this is something different. This is the people of God in the presence of God pouring out the praise of God. This is the high praise of the Holy One of heaven. And you've got to be careful how you uh, live your life if you if you're taking up the call to lead people in that. So I guess it would be that. Keep yourself little in the depths of your heart.
1: how was that? Matt was delightful. He was so kind. And I do want to apologize now following the interview, if any of my questions or any of my narrative has seemed a little starstruck today. I try to keep that bias back and remain professional and friendly through my interviews. But as you guys know, I've grown up in church culture and there are some things and people that get me really excited. Now, I would be freaking out if I was to interview the guy who voices Larry the Cucumber, because I don't know why I chose Tales as an example, but I would. It's great. Just like I would be freaking out if I probably spoke to someone from the band Zoe Girl, which was iconic. So, talking to Matt Redman was an unexpected treat. And so if you have heard me fangirling today, I apologize. Um, The main thing that I wanted to drive home with the edit of this interview, and there isn't a whole lot of editing to it, it's literally just portioning, is that Matt is a really normal everyday guy, just like everybody else in the music industry is. And it was cool to be in an environment where you sort of feel like you can chat to them like a peer, even though he has a lifetime of experience that I can't even comprehend. What I also loved is that Matt's paths have crossed with so many of our friends, um, and we, like, even only interviewed Jonas Myron some episodes ago. And and so it's, it's cool. And, like, we did LZ7 or LZ7, depending what country you're from, like, Uh, last year or the year before and it's just very cool when you see paths cross like that and friendships form in the industry that have stayed the test of time it's really cool to be able to share those stories and see how they cross over so that was fun thank you so much for your time Matt for doing the press cycle but also choosing to open up and share a bit of your heart within that even after having to repeat this pattern so many times I really appreciate that friends you can connect with Matt Redman now he's on Instagram at Matt Redman Official. Easy. You can also find him on his website at mattredman.com. Now his singles All the Praise is Yours and Son of Suffering are available now on all good platforms. You can also go and view the live sessions at Mission House on YouTube. Um, Please go by stream, love them. All the tracks you heard today are obviously Matt Redman songs. You can find them on all streaming platforms. Um, But if you want links and like really particular details about Matt's albums, books. There's even a DVD from 2004, I think. Go to Matt's website, mattredman.com, and it lists everything and also includes, like, resources and stuff like that. That's going to be your definitive place of actually finding songs and different parts of his career if, if there's a particular album that you're after. What a cool way to celebrate four years of Between Me and You. I can't believe I said Between Me and You. It's Between You and Me. On the back of my trip to the US, in particular Nashville, and being on the red carpet at the Dove Awards, and being actually able to catch up with so many friends of the podcast face to face, literally, we planned it or we bumped into each other. <laughs> it's just random. It is so cool to know that stories mean something, that we can share them together, and that laughter and tears and sacred moments all hold a place at the table of God. I love that. I'm so grateful for you um, and thankful for Matt for helping us to mark this milestone. Next week, we have another really special episode. And I say that all the time because it's true, but we do. This episode is with Christian Music Icons, the band Sailor. Now, if you're like, Jessica, who the heck is Sailor? Are you talking about like someone on a ship. No, you're talking about my accents. We're talking like Sailor, like S-E-L-A-H, like in the Bible and that then the trio who formed in the late 90s and who just like blitzed the Christian charts and are still around today and doing amazing work. Sailor. Yeah, that band. Now, I had the chance, a very rare opportunity, to meet up with Alan, Todd and Amy, the members of Sailor, face-to-face. Um, at We Rock Studios. It was organised by their management and by their publicists. All I had to do was turn up. They turned the microphone on and I asked them questions. It was the most beautiful experience. It was so fun to meet these people face to face in real life, like not split by a screen, but actually in real life. They were starting a day of publicity, but they were open. I mean, the doves had been the day, day before. They must have been exhausted But they were present and they were lovely. And, guys, we have some, like, really good core new friends in the Between You and Me family. Sailor are awesome. So, please, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, I don't know how we got here and you haven't, but please do, um, please go and subscribe. And as soon as the episode with Sailor arrives in your feed it will show up and you can listen to it we chat about their greatest hymns three album we chat about their christmas album we have a beautiful chat about the band's beginning and also like how they in their personal lives are grappling with loving people who have different opinions and what it means to share a table with people who think and believe differently to you sort of like what we do with the podcast which is really fun so please go and subscribe You can find us on all your platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google, iHeartRadio, Google Play. I think we're on Audible. Maybe we're on Audible. I should check that. There's, I don't know, there's a bazillion different platforms now, but we should be on there. If you're on one and you're like, Jessica, Between You and Me doesn't exist on here. I had to go all the way to Spotify to listen to this. Please DM us at Between You Me Pod and I will see what I can do about it, Okay. So while we're there, go and connect with us on social media. We are at, especially on Instagram, Between You, Me, Pod. By the time you hear this, who knows if Twitter is actually alive or if that's all propaganda and it was always going to be alive. I can't tell. But go follow us on Instagram. You can also find us on the internet, on the webs. Webs? Do kids say that these days? (laughs) Anyway, we're at BetweenYouAndMePod.com. You'll find all our past episodes there and some videos. Also, if you haven't checked us out on YouTube lately, can I highly recommend that? Because we now have some more video interviews up. I'm not just talking about Dove Awards content. I'm talking about my full interview with Paul Beloche, my full interview with Leland. We have one there from Preachers and Sneakers way back when. Just go and check it out. It's fun. There's a bit of nostalgia there as well from our early days of the podcast, but we've got some good stuff. So please go and check it out. Now, all those links are in the show notes as per usual. Um, and I think that covers it. My mental checklist has been ticked. Yep. Cool. I told you I appreciate you multiple times. I fangirled a little bit too much. I've given you the links to the songs. We're good. Okay. Friends, that's all I have for you. Thank you so much again for joining me for Between You and Me. 130 episodes, four years. And the most important part is that we've made some genuine connections and heard some really good stories. I know that I have healed a lot through this process. My hope is that you have Felt seen and known and heard that maybe your mind or your eyes have been opened if you've wanted that, um, and that maybe hopefully you've realized that there are also people out there who think like you, who question like you, um, or that maybe you can share the table with who are a little bit different, but that's okay because we still come together under the banner of love. That's the hope. It's a big goal, right? But you know, it's an aim. We'll go for it. Friends, My name is Jessica Morris. That was 130, episode 130 of the Between You and Me podcast. I'll see you next week for episode 131 with Sailor. Until then, because we still need it every day, here's to hope.
2: Stuck in my way, get it together, something needs to change, there are some more needs that I just cannot